Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can follow us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you on this Friday, June 9th edition of Extra Point. And that's right, it's Friday. It's a Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Von Hansen's, you know it. It's not your normal meat market with the craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Located 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. Their weekend specials for you, the 50-50 patties, half beef and half bacon at $6.99 a pound. The Big Papa patties, half pork and half bacon with mozzarella cheese and jalapenos at $6.99 a pound and the chicken bacon Swiss brats. That's what Bob's ordering up this weekend. $6.99 a pound. Uh, visit them at vonhansensmeats.net. Uh, when we come to, and the $100 gift certificate, I promise, will take place in this hour. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. What happens Friday night in Miami? Nuggets minus 3.5 or Heat plus 3.5, and, and boy, there has been a shift, and I don't know it's really based upon anything we said in hour number one, but Heat plus 3.5, 69% of the vote. Nuggets minus 3.5 at 31%. Yeah, this number is pretty much still sitting at three. Looking right now at uh, several worldwide locations, and we're still sitting three and a half. Uh, so we'll answer this question uh, in totality around 11:30 today on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Will the Big Ten challenge the SEC in football after adding UCLA and USC? No remains the leader at 69.2 percent. Yes, sitting at 30.8 percent, and uh, that's on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. The inspiration of this question for today is the fact that the Big Ten released its schedule you know plan and format uh heading into the uh, 2025 and beyond seasons which uh, you know obviously that's when ucla and usc are scheduled to join and uh so that's why i came up with that question because that was a big uh, big topic of discussion in uh, the world of sports yesterday whether it be on espn or obviously big 10 network I don't even I don't watch the Pac-12 network at this time of the year, so I'm not sure if they did anything on it or not. I'm guessing they didn't because they lost these schools. Uh, that would be correct. I don't know why they would uh, really try to but, bring that up for themselves. Like a a bon voyage, bon voyage, bon voyage. What's the right term? Bon, bon voyage, voyage segment. There we go. Uh, yeah, say you know, I should have said, see you later. Don't let the you know. Don't want to hit you out the, out the door. Let your butt hit you out the door as you're leaving Los Angeles, and we lose. And and we being the Pac-12 lose the Pac-12 market. Uh, market. I'm guessing that they probably didn't uh, 
have a show on that, so probably shouldn't have even brought that part up. Okay, can continue, continue on. Sorry. No problem. Well, we'll say uh, bon voyage around noon today, and then we'll be back <laughs> yeah. with you on Monday. Uh, but as I'll we- practice it over the weekend. Fair enough. Uh, As we continue on, though, let's get into some Major League Baseball. The Diamondbacks, they had their game against the Nationals uh, postponed to June 22nd with the air quality. They're in Detroit, though, for a three-game set, and they're keeping the same rotation uh, as it it would have been. They're just sliding guys in. So it's going to be Merrill Kelly against Michael Lorenzen. Merrill Kelly, 7-3, 2.80 ERA, 77 strikeouts. Michael Lorenzen, 2-2, 3.21 ERA. 41 strikeouts it's a 340 contest today on valley sports arizona right and i think we just need to forget about kelly's season-long numbers because you know the first three or four starts he was walking the world uh since then he has hardly ever walked a guy and in the last now uh seven starts i really i have it here i swear here we go seven starts he's six and zero uh, 244 in run average. He's allowed only 12 earned runs and 44 in the third innings. He struck out 52 in those 44 innings, and his whip is below one, which is tremendous. So he's just been dominant. And really, in the in the last uh, you know seven or eight uh, starts for him and Gallon, uh, Kelly's been the more dominant pitcher of late. Uh, then you also have a Saturday contest with Ryan Nelson going up against Matthew Boyd. Ryan Nelson, two and three, five point four zero ERA, thirty-seven strikeouts. Matthew Boyd, three and four, five point five seven ERA, fifty-three strikeouts. That's a ten forty contest. Um, what do you want to see from Ryan Nelson? Uh, out of the rotation, uh, but they don't have anybody to put in the rotation. Correct. I was going to say, so you're kind of stuck. Um, Sunday. Yeah, they tried the Brandon Fott thing, and that was a disaster. And obviously, they just don't have anybody at AAA who is uh, even at this point worth a look in uh, the major leagues because I assume that uh, they'd be replacing Nelson like right now. Zach Allen gets the start on Sunday. He's seven and two, two point seven five ERA, eighty-eight strikeouts. Joey Wentz, one and six, seven point four nine ERA, forty-four strikeouts, and it's an early game, eight thirty-five. Yeah, this is on. Uh, I forget which you Peacock, know, pay-per-view right? serve Peacock. This is the Peacock game for this week, so I'm not sure if you know. Sometimes, if it's the NFL. You know, the local teams actually get a local broadcast. They broadcast on a local channel or, you know, I don't know if it would be Fox or Valley Sports Arizona or what. But uh, so I'm not sure if we're blacked out of this game or not. Uh, as we go back to yesterday's games, we have the Astros and the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays winning 3-2, to two, and the Blue Jays ended up taking 3-4 of four of this series. How consequential is that uh, in the grand scheme of things for both of these teams? Well, I don't think it's terribly consequential for really either, but I just an event that occurred in this game is could be really impactful for, unfortunately, a long time. Jordan Alvarez, who arguably uh, is the best left-handed hitter in baseball right now, uh, I think the, the best all-around, and some would say best all-around hitter, he left this game with an oblique injury, and there's been an estimate this morning that he's going to miss four to six weeks, uh, and that would be a huge deal. The Astros, before this series, had 
really, obviously, I believe it was they reached a, they've won eight, they had won 18 of their previous 24 games at one point this week. Uh, but if he's out for that period of time, this is a significant blow. You know, they just haven't, you know, we're starting, they're starting to get healthier with a, with a, a Tuve back, even though he missed a few games this week, but he did play yesterday. Uh, but, you know, the Astros seem like they had really gotten it together. Uh, but uh, th- this is you know, really significant, and it's not like the Rangers. Even though the Rangers this weekend, uh, they play at uh, Tampa Bay for a three-game series. Maybe they'll, uh, you know, somebody has to lose uh, between those two teams. But you know, I don't think the Rangers are going anywhere, and now the Astros are going to be without their most impactful offensive player, at least for a while. Uh, so then you also have the Mets and the Braves here in 10 innings, and the Braves find a way to get it done again. 13-10, to 10, the Braves sweep the series. And what we were discussing yesterday with the pitching matchups here, Justin Verlander, he only went three innings, seven hits, five runs, four walks, three strikeouts, and one home run. But... The pitcher for the Braves, who's been spectacular, he struggled. Spencer Strider, four innings, eight hits, eight runs, two walks, eight strikeouts, and two home runs. Yeah, he has a serious problem against the Mets. I mean, he has, like, he's like, before yesterday, well, he still is because he didn't lose the game technically. He wasn't the losing pitcher, but he's 3-0 and zero against them. But his earned run average is now above seven in his two-year career against the Mets. And, you know, they... Uh, the Mets, the one thing that they do better than anything probably that they do is they rarely strike out. They put the ball in play. And against Strider, they've hit an incredible amount of foul balls against him to extend the innings up his pitch count. And uh, that has been a real problem for him against the Mets. So that was yesterday. But the Mets bullpen failed them again. Uh, they lost. They had three-run deficits in each of the three games of this series. They lost them all. Uh, it's the first time since moving to Atlanta in 1966 that the Braves had won three straight games after trailing by three runs or more. And the Mets have been around since 1962. It's the first time in Mets team history that they had lost three straight games when they led by at least three runs. I know that you're not super into the individual awards when it comes to team sports, but I thought it was interesting (laughs) just to look as we sit here on June 9th at the Cy Young National League uh, odds because you had Spencer Strider's contest yesterday, and that's kind of what made me think of it along with how well Clayton Kershaw just mowed down the Reds. Uh, so Spencer Strider, though, is plus 240. His season so far, he's 6-2, and 3.79 ERA, 121 strikeouts. Then also leading the odds for the Cy Young on the FanDuel Sportsbook app was Zach Gallen at plus 240. He's been 7-2, and 2.75 ERA, 88 strikeouts. Clayton Kershaw at plus 900, 8-4, 2.95 ERA, 93 strikeouts. And then uh, you go further down the board to Mitch Keller at 17-1 to with the Pirates, 7-2, 3.60 ERA, 94 strikeouts. He's been clobbered lately, though, so I'm surprised he's still the, the, those numbers still exist. Uh, he's had a couple of really bad starts in the last couple of weeks, uh, Keller has. Uh, you know, this is more Matt and Phoenix. Is, uh, this is kind of his gig more than me. I've never, ever, not once, bet on a uh, odds to win a Cy Young Award. 
Uh, and uh, they've been available for many years, and it's never crossed my mind to even think about it. But if I were right now, I think that this is just an incomplete group right now. Um, you know, the Kershaw thing, you know, you, at some point, the, the Dodgers, and maybe they, maybe you know, considering their pitching situation right now, maybe they can't afford to do this. But, you know, whether Kershaw has actually been, uh, you know, I don't want to say legitimately injured, but, you know, he, he, he has been on the injured list for a while. At, at least once, and in, in, in I think it's four or five seasons in a row now. And even if he's not, you know, you know, quote, injured and whatever word you'd like to use, you know, they like to give him a rest at some point because, of course, he's had the back issues, uh, back issues, which actually started, of course, I always point this out, when Major League Baseball foolishly and stupidly uh, had the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers actually start the season in Australia Today. many years ago. <laughs> Today, the Rangers at the Rays. Uh, it's going to be Andrew Haney, four and three, four point zero three ERA, sixty strikeouts versus Tyler Glasnow, uh, zero and zero, three point seven two ERA, fourteen strikeouts. Obviously, he's been working his way back. Yeah, and I think that uh, Glasnow is really, uh, you know, I don't know if he's the most important player on the Rays at this point, considering all the other pitching injuries that they've had. Uh, but for them to go long in the postseason, I would think it's safe to assume that he's going to have to be a, you know, a not just out there. He's going to have to be an effective pitcher uh, if they're going to have long-term success in the in you know, when it gets to the playoffs. And they've already lost Springs for the season. We have no idea if Drew Rasmussen's coming back at all this year. So you know, between you know, basically Glassnow and Taj Bradley. Uh, they're young phenom. I think that they need both those guys uh, to really step up. Eflin uh, was a guy that they actually, the Rays don't usually pay for pitching in the offseason or pay for anybody in the, in the offseason, I should say. But they got him, and I think he's also now a key, big key to their postseason. They're going to really need all three of those guys, uh, especially if Rasmussen is out for the season and doesn't come back. Mets and Pirates, Tyler uh, McGill, 5-3, 4 4.40 ERA, 48 strikeouts. And uh, Rich Hill, is he like an ageless wonder? Uh, he's 5-5, five 4.41 five, 4 ERA, 61 strikeouts. He's 43, right? Uh, he's old. Um, yeah, it sounds He's in his 40s. I know that part. Um, yeah, the, uh, the Mets thing, you know, you know Pete Alonzo, I assume we're going to find out if he's officially on the injured list at some point here soon. Uh, yeah, he got hit by the pitch. Yeah, he had the, the home run on Tuesday night at Atlanta, and there was some stuff going on between him and the Atlanta dugout. And then the next day, the first at bat, he got drilled by Charlie Morton. I really don't think even the Mets believe that that was intentional. Morton actually, I don't know if he sent a verbal message. It was either a verbal message uh, or a written message. To, he sent a message after the game uh, to Alonzo apologizing for the whole thing. And, you know, Morton's had enough pitching injuries in the past, whether he be hit by a line drive and suffering a broken leg in the World Series or other things that he's had over the years. And, yeah, he, he, I think he was really remorseful. But, yeah, obviously Alonzo didn't play the last two days, and it's believed that they're going to have to put him on the injured list. They're really unsure what's uh, the deal with – you got hit in the wrist. 
and uh, they were really unclear, or maybe they didn't understand, didn't really know uh, what the damage was, and you know, they had X-rays taken, and those were inconclusive, whatever that means. Uh, so they sent them actually back to New York before the series ended in Atlanta. So I'm guessing we're going to find out something about about Alonzo today. Then you have the Dodgers are at the Phillies. Uh, Michael Grove, 0-2, 8.14 ERA, 21 strikeouts. And Ranger Suarez, 1-2, 5.47 ERA, 20 strikeouts. Yeah, I've been kind of a disaster for both of those guys this year. You know, Suarez was a big part of them going to the World Series last year. Uh, he started this year on the injured list, and you know, he's when uh, he, when he's at his best, he's just a ground ball machine, which sometimes doesn't always work out because it's not like the Phillies have the greatest infield defense of all time. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Grove is pitching only because the Dodgers don't have anybody else uh, at this point. Uh, unfortunately for them, they will not uh, have Clayton Kershaw on this series because he was dominant yesterday. And uh, just completely shut down the Reds, who had no problem scoring against the Dodgers pitching staff the first two games of that series in Cincinnati. But uh, Kershaw just completely stymied them yesterday. And, in fact, I heard a thing this morning that uh, of all the uh, teams that he's faced in his career, Kershaw, in, against a lot of different hitters over all these years, has the his lowest earned run average of any team in baseball is against the Reds, and it's like almost two uh, almost 2.00 in his career, and that's a whole lot of innings against a whole lot of different hitters, but it doesn't seem to matter. He just dominates the Reds. Uh, then you have the Mariners at the Angels. Luis Castillo, 4-3, 2.55 ERA, 82 strikeouts, and Shohei Otani, 5-2, 3.30 ERA, 96 strikeouts. Yeah, and you know, I know that I've said this a few times here recently because – Otani's not having a stellar season, at least what you would expect. He's uh, had you know some pockets of success on the mound, and same thing at the plate. Uh, and uh, he's also had some really bad stretches uh, in both phases. But um, we're supposed supposed to be the most valuable player in the American League. I guess if you read those MVP odds uh, for the American League, he would probably be one of the favorites, especially you know with Aaron Judge on the injured list for the second time. And obviously now Jordan Alvarez out for, it appears, a while. But Atani, if you gave the Angels true serum, I think that they'd be a little disappointed in his performance this year. Red Sox at Yankees. I have to mention this because it's the Garrett day. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, 2-2, two two, 5.61 ERA, 20 strikeouts. And Garrett Cole, 7-0, 2.82 ERA, 84 strikeouts. Yeah, it's also Red Sox and Yankees. I think this is the first series they played this year. Uh, if it's not, it's the first in New York. And uh, there was obviously some questions of whether they were going to even play this series to start with because of all the, the wide wildfire situations and and so forth. But, uh, you yeah, know, they're scheduled to play. And uh, first of three games, and uh, not surprisingly, the Fox National game tomorrow is at Yankee Stadium. And then the Sunday night ESPN baseball game is at Yankee Stadium. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm guessing both those networks are disappointed that Cole's not pitching in either of those games. But you know, Cole did pitch uh, six shutout innings against the Dodgers on Fox last Saturday before he had to leave with dehydration. 
602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to chime in. Diamondbacks, Major League Baseball, the Nuggets, and the Heat game for tonight. 602-260-1060 is the number. In addition to that, we still have the $100 gift certificate on the line for Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials, 50-50 patties, half beef, half bacon at $6.99 a pound. The big papa patties, half pork, half bacon with mozzarella cheese and jalapenos at $6.99 a pound. And the chicken bacon Swiss brats at $6.99 a pound. Maybe we should just call those the Bob Kemp brats at $6.99 a pound. Yeah, Woo-hoo. is already renaming things for them. But you can visit them at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. 602 Get that put in the menu. Come on. Uh, we should. Yeah. yeah. Ready to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. if you'd like to call now, talk to us, well, now, 602-260-1060. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports, on this Friday, June 9th edition. Uh, Wrapping up our baseball conversation, uh, the game between the Mets and the Braves went into 10 innings so it was uh it didn't it didn't uh hold up with the pitch and clock and everything and moving right along because we went into 10 innings but bob uh you found it to be a really enjoyable broadcast absolutely and it was a special broadcast for the braves they uh you mentioned this i watched all three games of this series and uh they mentioned that uh, the thursday broadcast was you know jeff francoeur is there almost every? I think he's there every night. If he's, you know, they have so many broadcasters over the years. But uh, the good news is that Chip Carey's in St. Louis now. I don't have to listen to his crap anymore, at least as far as the Braves are concerned. But anyway, uh, Jeff Van Coor, uh is was actually kind of the lead announcer, even though there really wasn't a lead announcer yesterday. But they had Francoeur, John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, and Chipper Jones in the booth for the entire game. And also turned out to be almost a four-hour game because it went like 10 innings and there was obviously double-digit runs scored by both teams and so forth. Uh, in fact, Greg Maddox, they brought him on for – he was a guest guy on the phone from Vegas where he lives uh, and uh, for one inning. Uh, but the whole thing was – and they're going to – I can't imagine they're not going to do it again. They all said at the end of the, the broadcast last night that they want to do it again. Uh, it was a very entertaining – very enjoyable, very informative, nostalgic. They, they nostalgic. They had like highlights from all of their careers, uh, in, in good and bad. And some embarrassing moments, including Smoltz, the infamous, you know, falling at first base thing, trying to cover the base. And he's a really good athlete. And for him to do that, had that happened to him, it was it was hilarious. I remember watching that game live. In fact, many, many, many years ago. But it was really well done. And, uh, the, you know, I watch a million baseball games. And I think the baseball, for the most part, the local announcers in most major league cities are really good. And I don't care about the favoritism. That's just part of the deal. Just, you know, you know be informative. And, you know, if your team does something that's not good, don't be afraid to say that that's not a good play by so-and-so. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, th- it was very entertaining last night. And that's the most enjoyment I've got of watching a baseball broadcast. No, it could have been a 10-to-1 game, and I would have had the same level of enjoyment. But it was very fun. And like I said, I can't imagine that they're not going to have those guys doing this again at some point. Well, those Braves 90s teams were just unbelievable. Right. I mean, they were, you know, certainly they only won the one championship. And, you know, one of the things they talked about with Glavin is, you know, he had the one of the greatest World Series games ever pitched when he shut out the Indians. And you know, that was actually game seven, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you, know, that, you know, that was against an Indians lineup, which was essentially, in fact, Glavin said last night that to the, you know, his whole career, that was the toughest lineup he ever faced. Uh, and uh, I, I think these, I was starting to think, it was, it's, might there have been somebody that's like second? Uh, I couldn't even think of a team that was second because the Indians in those days had a billion dudes uh, from Albert Bell to Robbie Alomar on down. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was, the whole thing was great. They did a really good job with that. So, I'll let you know if they're going to do that again, if I know uh, ahead of time. I probably should have even mentioned this before the game yesterday, but uh, somehow I just uh, skipped my skipped my mind and uh, didn't mention it beforehand. But like I said, I, I can't imagine they're not going to do that again. I wonder if the inspiration kind of came from, you know, like what we see with like the Manning cast or whatever. So you bring guys on and you talk about That's kind of what it was like. Yeah. That's a good. I apologize to interrupt, but that's that's. Uh, in fact, I actually heard this morning somebody talking about last night that Braves. That they actually mentioned exactly that. Uh, Scott White, who does uh, fantasy baseball for uh, for CBSSports.com, who's tremendous, by the way. If you're in fantasy baseball, you know who he is. Uh, but yeah, he mentioned that he's a Braves fan. Uh, he grew up in Atlanta, or at least in Georgia. Uh, so went to UGA, etc. Uh, so he mentioned. I heard him mention that this morning on uh, the uh, the CBS broadcast, the fantasy podcast this morning. Uh, he he mentioned the, the he used the the Manning cast comparison there, which I haven't quite frankly watched that much because if you're trying to follow the game, uh, which okay, we have to do for radio purposes to talk about the game on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, I watched it for a little while the first or second week, but it was kind of hard to really follow the game and do what you're supposed to be doing is what we're, at least in our our realm, is we're trying to provide analysis for the next day. And, yeah, I watched it uh, at least once, and there was long stretches of that uh, banning cast that I watched where I had no idea what the hell was going on during the game. Continuing on from something that we dove into in hour number one, uh, this was coming from Mike Jones from The Athletic. He had done one pressing question for every new offensive play caller. We did that earlier in the week. Uh, in hour number one, we did the defensive play callers, and we managed to get through uh, the first six of 11 new defensive play callers, one being the Cardinals' Nick Rollis, two Falcons' Ryan Nielsen, three Bills' Sean McDermott. He, of course, is the head coach, four Pan- Panthers, Ezio Arvero, Browns, five with Jim Schwartz, and six Broncos, Vance Joseph. So I thought we could continue on and get ourselves through to the 11th new defensive coordinator this season. And starting... I'll, I'll go faster this time to help you out. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, seven is the Texans with D'Amico Ryans. Uh, he, of course, is the head coach as well. So here's the pressing question from Mike Jones. Who will call plays for the rebuilding Texans? It has yet to be decided if it's going to be Ryans or if it is going to be 
be the defensive coordinator, Matt Burke. Uh, obviously, for a first-year head coach, there's just a lot of a, of a learning experience, I think, that goes into all the new uh, things that are on your, your plate. And then, in addition to that, uh, continuing your defensive coordinator duties. So, interesting to see what direction they go. But, obviously, expectations for the defense to get turned around as well under D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, I think most of the emphasis is going to be on their offense. But real fast on this, uh, there are a few teams that need to add more personnel on the defensive side of the ball at the end of last year than the Texans. So I'm not sure it really matters who the defensive coordinator is, at least technically who's calling uh, the defensive signals on a game-by-game basis. Number eight, it's the Dolphins, Vic Fangio. And there was a lot to do about uh, where he was going this offseason here after he spent away from the game for one season. The pressing question here is how will the longtime guru elevate a talent-rich unit? Jalen Ramsey is now in the fold here for the Dolphins. Clearly to me, the Dolphins have made every effort to have the tools at their disposal, get some players here to really try to make a run. Yeah, and I wonder it seems to be going for it, going for it this year too, which I'm you know, completely for, uh, especially in the NFL because you don't know what's going to happen injury-wise from year to year. And along those lines, yeah, I think the wonder. I wonder if uh, they're even going for it more than they would have if it weren't for the two uh, concussion issues. That's very true. Interesting. Um... Uh, who's their backup now? Because obviously they had to roll out you know, Teddy Bridgewater no and Skylar Thompson. Yeah. They had to have made some upgrades, I would think, in that front. I'll look that up in the break. Number nine okay. is the Vikings, Brian Flores. The pressing question here is, can the former head coach uh, shore up a Vikings unit that must ease pressure on the offense? They ranked near the bottom in almost every single defensive category last year, and Flores is known for bringing an aggressive mindset to his defensive uh, scheme and play calls. But the one thing they did do is they kept people out of the end zone uh, compare, in comparison to the yards that they allowed. However, uh, they've lost some key defenders since the end of last year, so I'm not even sure what their personnel and what their depth chart looks like right now on defense. Yeah, because you lose Zedarius Smith, you lose Patrick Peterson, you lost a lot of players on the defensive side of the ball that were like the leaders in those categories, right? Like uh, tackles, sacks, et cetera. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, the uh, inside linebacker from Cal, I don't think he's back anymore either. I think he left during the offseason. So, yeah, they've left, uh, they lost a lot of guys. Number 10 is Eagles. Sean Desai, question, can he ensure continued dominance despite a learning curve? Obviously, he's going to be coming in replacing Jonathan Gannon, who's now the Cardinals head coach. And also, just I think in general, some key Eagles defensive players are now 30 and older as well. However, they also kept more guys than we anticipated. Remember after the Super Bowl, we did a, a thing that might have been the, a couple of days after the Super Bowl. Uh, who are they going to be able to keep? Because we thought they had all these cap problems and so forth. Uh, I think it's astonishing, kind of like the modern-day Saints. Remember, I didn't know how, you know, this has got to be the year where the cap destroys the Saints. And then they figured out, okay, we're going to we figure out a way to keep everybody. Uh, They didn't keep everybody in Philadelphia, but I think it's very surprising that they kept as many key defenders as they did. 
And finally, rounding out the new 11 defensive coordinators, uh, the 49ers with Steve Wilkes. The question here, can the veteran coach ensure continued dominance despite waves of changes? Obviously, D'Amico Ryan's moving on. Uh, You did lose Jimmy Ward, but you also gained Javon Hargrove on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I'm going to throw aside uh, just what happened here with the Cardinals. Uh, I've seen several head coaches come and go here. I think it's a pretty easy case that Wilkes was the worst def- uh, worst head coach of any of them by far. Uh, and I would imagine most Cardinals fans, uh, since they've come to Arizona, he was the worst coach by far. However, uh, I don't think a whole lot of people have criticized Wilkes for his defensive coaching uh, acumen. And uh, he certainly had some uh, effective defenses as a coordinator. The I think it's a good match, though, too, because... I don't think it's really difficult for anybody to be a defensive coordinator with the front seven that they have in San Francisco. His expertise, Wilkes, has been the secondary, and that's the area that needs to stay healthier and upgrade. I I thought that was a very interesting point you're making there because, yeah, that defensive line just let them go hunt, and that's been also kind of... And the best linebackers in the league, too. Those three guys are great. Absolutely. Uh, So kind of just, you know, that's been the, I guess, line of defense for that has helped, helped, I guess, the secondary that has shown some vulnerabilities. So it does make sense to maybe bring in somebody who has that secondary background to kind of help shore things up in totality for their defense. And they've actually gotten better in the front seven, amazingly, during the offseason. Yes. Uh, because I know you were clamoring to know who uh, is backing up to a tongue of Aloha from the Dolphins. It's actually. Yeah, I'm curious. Okay. It's your favorite former Jets quarterback, Mike White. Oh, boy. <laughs> the guy that had like two great games in his career. And then, of course, Jets fans were proclaiming he's like the next Joe Namath. Yeah. Uh, so. Didn't quite work out. And Skylar Thompson is also still on the roster as the third string quarterback. So that's what's happening okay. on that front. Skylar Thompson, who I said several times when he played last year, that I, at first I couldn't even believe he was in the NFL. Uh, I thought he was an okay at best quarterback at Kansas State. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm still kind of stunned. The, the fact that he's in the NFL. And I understand that the uh, if you have a quarter if you have a team that actually has four quarterbacks if you count the practice squad you can all do the math, but I'm I'm kind of stunned. I think it doesn't speak well for the depth of the quarterback position in the NFL if he's in the NFL. You know, I was just sitting here thinking about this, looking at the the depth of quarterbacks here and just the injury history that Tua has suffered, unfortunately. Um, And then you add on top of that maybe whether or not the arm strength is there and just little questions about Tua's game as a starter. And I think, are the Dolphins trying to position themselves almost exactly how the 49ers have, where there's just so much talent on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball? They've had almost zero continuity if you think about such a great team at the what we've deemed to be the most important position in NFL the quarterback is that kind of how the Dolphins are molding things right now yeah and, and that you mentioned the two injury history go back to Alabama before the concussion issue in the NFL yeah he had multiple injuries at Alabama also uh, so we'll see and also, you mentioned the, Nor- the Niners. Of course, you know, Mc- McDaniel was the offensive coordinator, quote-unquote. 
uh, in San Francisco, and they brought a lot of the same scheme, system, etc. And I think you can make it. I don't think anybody comes close to the Niners having more guys, running backs, tight ends, and uh, wide receivers that run after the catch. But if you're going to take somebody that would maybe be second, it might be Miami, especially with, you know, obviously with Waddle and, and also, uh, I've gone blank, the dude who used to play for Kansas. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Uh, Tariq Hill. Yeah, Hill. Right. I remember as soon as I said that, I thought who, thought who it was. Uh, but, you know, those, that, that's perfect for Tua because he's at best in a short passing game, and he's usually on time uh, with the throws if he has time to, uh, you know, with the, if the pass protection is sufficient. That's perfect for him. Seems like a perfect offense for them considering the personnel. It's now time. 602-260-1060. Caller number three will be the $100 gift certificate winner to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, the weekend specials, the 50-50 patties, half beef, half bacon at $6.99 a pound, the big papa patties, half pork, half bacon with mozzarella cheese and jalapenos, $6.99 a pound, and the chicken bacon Swiss brats at $6.99 a pound. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Visit them online as well at vonhansensmeats.net. Caller number three, 602-260-1060. We will answer the poll questions on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. $100 gift certificate. We'll have another one for you next week. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Friday, June 9th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. We'll be going in a lightning speed for the poll questions here. So we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. With game four tonight, what happens in Miami? Nuggets minus three and a half or heat plus three and a half. Okay, three quick things to look for tonight. Uh, number one, will Kevin Love remain in the starting lineup or will Spolstra go even smaller and go back to Caleb Martin? Number two, will the Heat, big or small, be physically dominated on the glass and in the paint for a second straight game? Wednesday's game, uh, the Nuggets had a 58-33 uh, to 33 rebounding edge. That's plus 25. Also, the points in the paint was 60-34. to 34. And also, number three, Will Michael Porter Jr. produce at the uh, offensive end or be effective at the offensive end? He scored two and five points the last two games on one out of seven and two out of eight shooting. Uh, basically, the bottom line, to answer the question, I would slightly favor the Heat plus the points tonight, but I'm not going to be betting on it. So, uh, game three proved that if the Heat aren't knocking down threes and scoring with efficiency, then the game gets really, really hard for them against the Nuggets. Uh, and then if intensity is matched from the Nuggets side of things, it also makes it really, really hard for the Heat. Yet, the Heat somehow have found ways all playoffs long to keep defying odds. Uh, so, I guess I just question to myself if they finally met their match here when it's all put together. But since it's a 2-1 situation here, 
here. Uh, I think I would lean in the direction of the Heat, though, plus three and a half. But I like you not actually doing anything on this game. The masses. Sounds fair. All right. Yeah, the masses are on the Heat side of things at 64% of the vote. Nuggets at 36%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping things on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060 as the question is reloading. Uh, Will the Big Ten challenge the SEC in football after adding UCLA and USC? I think when I look at this, I think that at the SEC still remains incredibly top-heavy with Alabama and Georgia. Then you can add in LSU, and, and maybe now you have to also add in Tennessee to that top-heavy nature. Next, then, you kind of maybe throw in an Ole Miss or something like that in that category. For the Big Ten, the top-heaviness is Ohio State and Michigan. Then you think about Penn State. And when I look at these different conferences, I say, well, the SEC at the top has speed, they have athleticism, and they have size. When I think of the Big Ten, I think of uh, uh, athleticism and I think of size. And when I think of the Pac-12, specifically UCLA and USC, I think of speed and athleticism and kind of maybe missing some of that size. So how are this all now going to culminate together? But if you're asking me from top to bottom, has USC and UCLA CLA inched closer to all of the SEC schools, I think I'd go yes. Okay. I'm going to opt for no. Uh, and actually, I'll go much shorter here. I think that you know, this is going to be a bigger deal uh, for the Big Ten in basketball, which has not won a national championship since 2001 with Mateen Cleaves. Uh, UCLA has developed a seemingly a really solid, we'll see with some of their guys that have been around forever leaving after last year, but solid basketball program. And now USC has one of the top recruiting classes in the country, and that was even before LeBron's kids showed up or is going to show up. So I think it actually helps the, uh, the Big Ten Conference more basketball-wise in competition with the other top conferences than it does in football. Uh, the masses are on the no side of things at 69.2%. Yes, trailing at 30.8%. This is on Twitter, at KDUSAM1060. A reminder for you, next week, the show is on the road. Putting World, located in Scottsdale, 16259 North Scottsdale Road. Uh, the doors open 10 a.m. We're, of course, in the extra point on from 10 to noon. Stop by, have some food and drinks at Bar 19. Bring your putter, too. Let's have some fun after the show. Um, maybe we'll get Bob out and there. I'll be there. I'll watch you. I want to see your putt. Oh, see, I was going to say, maybe we can convince you to get out there because they have no, putters. I, I, they I have would, putters I there. Have been a, yeah, I haven't been on a golf course or a green for 30 years. All right. Well. It didn't go particularly well when I was on a golf course. I could hit it off the tee okay. Getting uh, well, actually, I was an okay putter, but getting in between was an issue. I have five, which was very frustrating. (laughs) I have five days to persuade. We wrap it up on the other side of the break. Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude, Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows.
segment of this Friday, June 9th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's time once again. It's thank you time. And as always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else sips the cracks also our guests today plural uh detroit tigers discussion heading into the weekend series against the diamondbacks we talked with uh cody stavenhagen excellent uh, info from cody from the athletic also uh kayla had a belmont stakes preview earlier in this hour with uh, sean alvarez our horse racing guru what what's sean's affiliate or how can people get a hold of sean yeah or follow know him on talk- twitter at smooth turn yeah. too and also podcast okay. it and he'll give you uh what he's doing for the belmont stakes all right excellent uh sound of the day courtesy of espn fox bally sports arizona sny wdae and also tex 105.3 that's tex uh, the rangers flagship station and uh, the uh, Metroplex. Also, special thanks to uh, Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next, from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports U with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6 tonight. Uh, speaking of tonight, it is the NBA Finals Game 4, 5.30 p.m. on ABC. Also, did you see this, Bob? That uh, So DeAndre Hopkins reportedly is expected to meet with the Titans on Sunday. And then Ian right. Rappaport this morning is reporting that Hopkins is expected to meet with the Patriots next week. That's interesting because a lot of people speculated the Patriots not an option after hiring offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien and the history and quote unquote maybe frustration uh, with their time together in Houston. Yeah, whether it be, I don't think they were frustrated with the production, but the fact of lack of practice time and not wanting to practice or being too injured to practice, there was a problem there, a uh, big problem there I, that uh, I mentioned earlier this week and have over the years, last couple of years, that that was uh, maybe the biggest issue that Hopkins was out of Houston. So we'll see. And, uh, and, uh, Hopefully, uh, Hopkins or any other receiver, I think, would be much better off if Mac Jones weren't the starting quarterback in New England, but that's not changing anytime soon. The Phoenix Mercury play the Dallas Wings tonight, 5 p.m. on Ion Television. Also, Shane Doan set to join the Maple Leafs front office. Uh, that made official this morning. Thanks for everyone listening to The Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Have a fantastic weekend. Back with you Monday morning.